0: So often I talk about the first thing in meditation is to get to feel comfortable. This may sound like a wrong view of some kind. Um. (laughs) Body is only comfortable to some extent, in some places, some of the time. So you just find the way in which as much of your body as possible is light and balanced as you sit this is a uh, skill and it's often takes um, quite a while for the body to adjust <coughs> that kind of strength in the lower back and the balance relaxing the shoulders uh, just to you, you know, be careful with it, just the, like you're carefully balancing something. But right down in the in the abdomen is the is the base, the centre, and using the breathing to descend there, <coughs> and every you hold your body lightly it's, you allow every breath every breathing in and breathing out actually lifts and adjusts your body slightly so the breathing after a while will if you tune into it will actually form like an internal support for the body an internal guide to where you can open the top of your chest, your throat a sense of a gentle expansion inside and just this continual inner rhythm this is self the most comfortable thing that the body can do. That's why the Buddha recommends it as a pleasant abiding. Something your body the most comfortable place in your body really is this breathing process. Bones and things weigh something. Breathing doesn't weigh anything. And it's uh it's given. So, we take it really, you know, it's almost like a yoga. How to how to make the most of that, how to use that as a guide for how your body sits, rather than externally, you know, looking at the shape or keep adjusting your muscles. Just try to relax as much as you can. And let the breathing guide, guide the the body from within. Being breathed. (coughs) Like something's doing it for you. you. Receive it. Making the mind comfortable. So this is important. The uh, The mind is happy. Your body is relaxed. If your mind tunes into that, it's happy. Your mind is happy and at ease. It readily settles. It doesn't settle if you... Um, fight with it, struggle with it, push it around, force it, ignore it. You know, it settles because it gets happy, feels easy, feels happy. And one of the standard practices for this is practice of metta, kindness, goodwill, benevolence. So it's, it's useful to remember this isn't just about being a nice person to other people, some kind of social duty, but uh, which, of course, is, is highly <laughs> valuable and recommended. But first of all, it's just about feeling good, like, uh, because to feel uh, benevolent is is a happy place. We feel warm. And the first place to begin is is towards oneself, towards this body, towards this breathing, towards however we are right now, to feel some sense of benevolence. And perhaps to help with this, to to recall or bring to mind times of receiving other people's good wishes, what it's like to be seen with an eye of kindness, what it's like to be viewed with a ki- an eye that doesn't want anything, judge, just warm, affectionate, trusting, what it's like to be seen in such a way, where you don't have to do anything, deserve anything, Make anything, prove anything, pay anything back. So that nervousness, what should I do? What it's like just to receive (coughs) kindness, goodwill. Remember, we've all had this. Imagine what it would be like again. So you bring up the that that sense, the kind of flush of that, the openness of that, being regarded in such a way. simple act of assistance or service or generosity or thoughtfulness. It doesn't have to be, you know, vast, vastly effusive. Just the simple acts of support, thoughtfulness, kindness that go on around us, perhaps here every day. Mm. Gestures. Notice it mm. and what it's like when you bring up a an image or memory of someone you feel respect gratitude or care for and just to allow the the impression or the image to rest in your mind and to see what is naturally naturally evoked Mm. again it doesn't have to be huge (laughs) torrents just that sense of Pleased to see this person. Yeah. Someone who doesn't feel fear or tension around. Mm. To can be quite a gentle feeling. This can also be a practice whereby you just pick up that which is good in others so when we people we know there can be difficult places (coughs) places where we don't meet or feel contradiction (coughs) or disagreement or whatever and also there's somewhere where we can see the goodness and so you get these mixed qualities which is probably the most normal mm. some degree and really reaching past places that are uncertain that are unsteady just respect for another human being who has to live out their karma and their Confusions and their delusions and their compulsions, just like I do. Mm. Also, it be something that. It engenders a sort of a prayer or a, a wish for others' welfare, mm. either in general or specifically, or even a, a way of forgiving. So, let's contemplate also the where, what it feels like, is what the energy of this is like. Ener- the emotional energy, the emotive energy. When mm. we come into something much less uh, discriminative and uh, functional to something that's just suffusive and spreading and um, well-intentioned benevolence what does it feel like mm-hmm. so it's the few questions about practice mm-hmm. so first of all are the four Brahmaviharas Viharas the same as the great heart does the great heart bodhicitta mean the same as metta Mm. well (laughs) terminology (laughs) so brahma vihara vihara is a a dwelling place brahma is a um, sublime um, generally non non sensual dwelling place so it's kind of formless and these, <coughs> Brahmavihara is actually, uh, it's, it's, we all use it quite a lot, but what was more commonly used was the word paramana, which means the um, boundless or the sort of, you know, you know, so it's something, uh, the description of these four and it has it in here, actually upnya the chat of Apamanya. boundless, and the description of all of them is abundant so meta uh meta sahagana B- um, abundant which is vipulena Mahagga, so this is uh, great, uplifted or exalted appamanena, immeasurable avarena without hostility abhyapajena without ill will so so the difference between hostility and ill will is is, uh, hostility is actually directed you know I don't like this person ill will is just feeling kind of crabby and grouchy grumpy (laughs) you know there's a a sort of internal quality Um, immeasurable and exalted and abundant so, all of these qualities. This is the basis of the um, boundless, boundless mind. So, this is useful to look at it like that, rather than to you know to to, um, to worry too much about the states themselves. You know, it's just as if we find that when the mind is <coughs> rich, it's kind of sense of richness in it. <coughs> it's not cramped. It's another way of putting it. It's, it's, it's not tight, cramped, you know, speedy, pressurized, uh, that kind of sense. It's, it's rich, it's abundant, uncramped. Um, and, uh, uplifted or exalted. It's got a sense of not just petty and, and uh, uh, low-minded, but actually it's kind of lofty. Know, uplifted sense to it, looking at things from a grand, more grand perspective. Immeasurable means it's not about accountancy. It's not about well, you deserve this and he deserves that, and I never get this and you always get that kind of thing. You're adding up. <laughs> it's 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 got the richness of just you know you're not going to be counting up. There's a sense of uh, Im- and also it's uh, uh, Im- Im- it's, it's immeasurable. And then free from this uh, uh, hostility, and free from the kind of uh, crabby, bad-tempered, you know, snappy, irritated mindset that we can get into when the mind is tight and compressed. So this is why it's um (coughs) actually—it's about feeling good. Mm -hmm. So this isn't just. You know, so you get that sense of that the mind is actually rich and big and light and buoyant and that. You know. yeah. and we, So we can, from that place, and one way to, is both from that, p- the way to that place and, and what comes from that place are these four qualities. So one is quality of metta, uh, kindness or non-aversion, which is the um To have a, a sort of nourishing quality, so the image here is of the mother nursing uh, baby. It's kind of nourishing which wants to give uh, b- benevolence or sustenance to others uh, so that's one way in which we we bring up you know any anything if you can't do it to human then you know dog goldfish pot plant whatever you know get into something could be some something out there that you (laughs) get going on (laughs) so it's just you know your pet goldfish that you you see with the eye of oh i hope he's got enough food today you know that's that's good start (laughs) and work from there you know because once you get the feeling of it, it's actually a nice sort of swelling and uplifted and buoyant sense. Then, you know, then it's just putting a few more bits in there, a few more so you can make it wider. And of course towards oneself and so looking after yourself. That's why, again, that fundamental quality of self-respect is, is, is such a paramount beginning for all practice because you know, you're worthy of something. You're a human being. You're worthy of. You're worthy of looking after. You're, you know, you're <laughs> intelligent and you can do good things. So you, it's worth looking after these these creatures. Um, and then a, a human being that is is properly, uh, I, I looked after and developed is a tremendous asset. You know, to a joy to themselves and joy to the world. And just to you know remember this. This very idea that one could be a joy to the world <laughs> rather than a blight on the planet. <laughs> a, it, is, it does seem incredible as a notion, but <laughs> I mean, people do bring joy to my life. You know, they don't, not, it's not all they bring, but they do bring this. You know, What would it be like if there weren't any others? I don't know. No. Sometimes you think that'd be a really good idea, <laughs> but how long for? You know, for there's some sense of the the, the warmth and the empathy and the the, the care and the compassion and the interest that can come between people. I think is very rich. And uh, so this quality of the nourishing and the the, the enjoyment of that. It's not like, oh, um, you know, here's a. Is a bun shut up? Girl, you know. <laughs> yeah. the, the, the sense of being able to give something from oneself. And when you give something from yourself, that act of giving is what enriches you, because you become rich. You know, when you realise you have something to give, and w- what we can give is is, is kindness. We can always g- can't always give other things. We can give this not to not to lessen it second quality is compassion or karuna which means which the image of this is the um protecting or so sometimes it seems they're the same thing but they're slightly different and the the image of this is of the the mother standing over the cot of the little child so just making sure everything's okay protective in a sense let, let no harm come to this one yeah. let no harm come to this one may there pain if there is pain may it, may it be relieved mm. so again this sense and then mudita is gladness is a sense of rejoicing <coughs> sense of rejoicing or taking enjoyment out of seeing other people success or growth or development or good fortune when you when we see this quality when we experience this quality this is really uh uh, wonderful you know because it gets away from the either jealousy or indifference you know so what you got so what who cares you know which is a pretty unpleasant mindset to be in. But when the basis of these is this empathic sense to, you know, respect for oneself, respect for others, to others as to myself, is always the refrain with any of these. So just know what it's like when you, you have a, you know, something good happens, you feel lifted. Then you see that in others, you think, oh, yeah, I know what that's like. Good, good, you know. That's great, and uh, we can pick that up. <coughs> Gladness, mudita. So we see the good fortune, and it dispels negativity and boredom, jealousy, and indifference. Um, the image of this is when the, the the mother sees the the child growing up and takes enjoyment in seeing their their strength or their their, their you know their Passing their exams or something other, you get a feeling of gladness for their welfare, mm-hmm. and the last is equanimity, which is recognition uh, that the the you know, people go through their ups and downs in a sense of almost like uh, emotional space, which means you 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 are able to be with their ups and downs uh, and the, the image of this is of the the mother recognizing that the child is grown up, and they've got their own living to do, and you know you trust that they'll be okay, they'll they'll do what they they'll do their learning, you know they'll learn their ups and downs. Doesn't mean you give up on them. It means you have quite stepped back quite a bit, give them space, but you still have um, care and concern for their welfare. To others as to oneself. So these are the you know. Boundless states, and they make you; uh, they develop the quality of, of of happiness, and joy, and tenderness, and serenity. You know, more serenity. You know, so, <coughs> and you see what they're doing, making the the heart great. They're not the same as their their means to make the heart great. Because you, for a start, you get there's a particular energy that comes up with that, which is not continually, um, it's not small. It's not small-minded. It uh, it's, uh, always reaches beyond the, um, the kind of petty attitudes to something grander, you know. And there's a kind of richness to that energy when you develop it, you, the the development of this occurs because you can recognize that, uh, you know, most everybody, you can see the lovable and the perhaps not so lovable and the places with not necessarily hatred, just indifference or so what. Um, and, and so the practice is, to, is to, to keep, and in yourself, of course, you can be very critical or just bored or fed up you know, with yourself, dog-eared feeling about yourself. So you really need to develop the the faculty that picks up a sense of, of concern, you know, not to give up on oneself, a sense of concern for oneself, a sense of concern for others, a real sense of valuing the human being. That's the basis of it. And then, even when people are difficult, we try to look at, you know, or or remember their better sides. So you pick up that, and you make much of that. It's not being blinkered about it, but the more you can see it like that, the more you're in a quite a steady space yourself, and you're more able to to um, attend or, or even remind people, or you know, show people where they're going wrong because your aim is n- you're not coming from a place of revenge or spitefulness or judgmental. But, you know, uh, well, because I, I respect like you, I realize that, you know, um, you know, certain actions you do are, are, are probably cause you harm, you know, or you lose, you lose uh, friend- friends that way. You know, so your sense of care for people. It's called skillful admonishment. Is when we we do this, saying because I see you as a person of integrity and value, then I I see that you wouldn't want to to lessen yourself or degrade yourself. So so I see there's things you're doing you're probably not conscious of. And that's a very kind and generous way of 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 um, guiding each other. Yeah. You know? Sometimes it takes a while to not get upset and fed up and try and straight people out. So <coughs> these are the four Brahma-Viharas. And they are <coughs> one of the two basic practices that the Buddha taught for what they call realizing the deathless. There's a sutta where the Buddha, uh, Ananda, actually talks about the 11 doors to the deathless, not just one, 11 doors. And these would be the the four um, jhanas, which are the four um, deepening levels of samadhi, and three formless states, which I won't go into, but they're kind of particular formless states of mind that you can enter from, uh, when any one of these from the fourth jhana and also the four brahma-vihara so these so these are doors to the deathless so if you cultivate the four brahma-vihara they are a door to complete liberation you know so this is why they, they are so the first practice you might say is, is about samadhi which is generally body-based you know going into the the, the deep body sense you know, so I've talked about that going to presence. The other practice is more about, we might say, the the heart sense, the the extending yourself out in this boundless state. Um, so both of them, in different ways, purify the mind of its its obviously its ill will, its negativity, its hunger, its craving, its wavering, its doubtfulness, its sluggishness, it's, it's self-consciousness, it's kind of me, me, me demanding qualities. And it's agitation, it's fears, it cleans of these. So they act as a base for, for the first kind of um, process of meditation, which is really healing, we might say, or feeling good. So you start to feel bright and happy and steady and serene and so forth, the mind is uncramped. And the second process, although it's not really a one-two, but you know they, they generally occur simultaneously, is you keep reviewing and, um, and letting go of the uh, identification. You know. Which means generally in these senses, either you're getting something or getting something back or becoming something. So that's always with the, the sense of the um, the samatha or the steady and calming healing that, that takes you to a good place but it doesn't take you out of identification because naturally there's a feeling "Oh, I want to be this, I am this, I've got to this state, I've got it or I am it or I want to be more of this more often and so forth which is natural enough now that—that that is a, is a particular kind of activity of the mind you know to 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 want to have, to want to extend, to so and then, then you see actually that activity itself is is agitating. You know, it's like can we do something without without asking for a result? Can we do? So, can it be that free? You know. So that the real liberation uh, in its final meaning of that is the liberation from that particular. Habit, mm. and seeing that actually there isn't somebody there. <laughs> These are just this is just the, the mind or the heart. There isn't anybody in there doing it or becoming anything. That's purely a, a result of a particular activity. It's the activity can cease because it becomes uh, a hindrance and agitation, and it's just the bright heart, free from clinging. So, you know, it's like that. So there can be the bright heart with an element of clinging to it, which is better than the the, the stupid heart with an element of clinging to it. <laughs> so if you're going to cling, at least make it worth clinging to. <laughs> and then ideally, even if it isn't that bright, <laughs> you know, it's kind of reasonably okay <laughs> then to, to look at, to review that sense of which uh, identification which occurs either I have this, I've got this, I am this, I want to be this, I will be this, I will extend it in time, or I will, you know, make it a property of some kind. You know, that that instinct. Hmm. So this is the uh, the quality of great heart, and it's in the, in the sutta. It said that when it's like this, then even you know, um minor um act or minor blemishes are dissolved in that they don't really accrue so yeah. so sometimes it sounds very ethereal and very <coughs> perfect but you don't have to be perfect um <coughs> Because the sense of the various all of us have things in our lives that we could regret or habits that you know are a bit untidy or and so forth um and you have all, so there's some of this stuff begins to dissolve, and some of it just stays there as like a personal thumbprint you know, but with the great heart you recognize this isn't a person it's just a it's just the, uh, an old piece of old karma, old habit. And there isn't really anybody who doesn't have this. <laughs> this this called vasana traits. Even arahants have some kind of personal um, quality to them. You know. But it doesn't get in the way, obstruct the great heart. And the, the, the Buddha said it's rather like a, uh, if you take a, some salt and you put it in a Glass of water, you drink it, then it tastes salty. But if you put this pinch of salt in, in a river like the River Ganges, it doesn't affect it because the river's so big that a little bit of salt doesn't matter. So that's the image he used for you know the, the the minor minor karmic tendencies, the personality traits that one has, but it doesn't you know cling to them. They don't they don't dominate the mind. Well, mind states, mind states. There seems to be what I call the ego mind. Is it part of the chitta mind, or is it different? Mm. Mind states (coughs) uh, (coughs) are. You might say they're the they're really heart states. Is perhaps better. So anger um love um, courage joy resentment these are all heart states so this is what's meant by m- mind states and these are um jitta they're not it's not uh, thoughts or it's really the emotional emotive stuff and it means means emotional in a, in a very wide sense. So, um, starts you know the the the, the kind of what we call uh, more gross things like you know anger and uh, love. You know, either gross, not any negative, but more more tangible, more obvious. And then other other mind states are sense of spaciousness or luminosity, still a state of mind it's got a kind of certain flavour f- to it these are the, these are the states of mind um and so samadhi is, has mind states associated with it generally um things like joy and ease uh, are states of mind there are states of mind associated with samadhi <coughs> um or spaciousness or or stillness or silence you know it's something that's, that's it's, it's knowable, as a resonance to it. It's a mind state, <laughs> yeah. So if it's a kind of sense of vast space. That's a that's a mind state. Um, and any so that any uh, so it, s- sense of adherence to the mind state um, is is an attachment. So the Buddha. So once describing these very lofty mind states, things as neither perception or non-perception, which is a very, very, very attenuated, subtle state, you know, of kind of vast space of bare, bare, you know, barely aware, uh, and, um, or nothingness and infinite space, boundless space, these are mind states, they're perceptions. And he said these are the if you want to cling to something, these are the best things to cling to um, but they're still <laughs> they're still subject to clinging, so any mind state at all, however sublime refined um, is we, is not is to be released or let go of, not clung to but mostly we practice with the things that are a little more of this planetary level and so um, when you in your meditation you try to kind of almost name the mind state so you get a whole kind of blur of things going on and say well actually what's the over overriding mood of this is it you say well it's it's probably a whole mixture of things you know agitation oh this is agitation or worry or you know or uh, fear or um, irritation irritability and generally it'll be a sort of mix of, of fluctuating you know it can go from irritation to despair to fear to craving to wanting something better to feeling guilty it's just kind of fluctuating like that and you try to you know it's fluctuating a lot, you just know a lot of wobble, wobble agitation so you look at the dominant dominant sense of what of the weather the climate of the mind the climate of the heart and this is a really it's useful because we can get lost in a whole train of thought and sometimes people have these huge kind of narratives and trains of thoughts and don't recognize that there's an emotion there you know like there's something going on. So I'm not angry. It's just you do this, you do that. You're always doing this. You're always doing that, but I'm not angry. You're doing this, you're doing that. You never did this. You always do that, and you can't do this on time. And how many times have I ever told you? And they just focus so much on the story, they really don't recognize that they're, they're angry. <laughs> <laughs> <You> know, <so laughs> and it's very obvious when you're on the receiving end of it. So no, I'm not angry. I'm just telling you how you are. You know, I'm telling you the truth of where you are. You like this, and you never do this. And you always do that. You know, and then you're a complete waste of time. But I'm not angry, I'm not really. <laughs> 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 so you know, that's how we we can do this. You know, it goes into topics of describing other people, and you you know you. L- you, you go. The mind goes out into this description of the world, or of other people, or of an event. You know, some event that happened. She came storming in, and then she sat down, and then she did this, and then she did that. You know, just telling you, just telling you the truth. There's no emotion in this at all. Just the fact. <laughs> 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 you realise that you look at it. You know, it's always steeped in emotional. Uh, biases and tendencies and stuff like that, and uh, this things going on all the time, isn't it? Yeah. And uh, yeah. So it's it's surprising that that, uh, that we uh, we get so lost in our projections and perceptions and thoughts. We don't even really realise the mindset, the mind state that's happening. <laughs> You know because it's all out there it's all you <laughs> you know and that's very sad that person you know has lost themselves so much uh, and that really obviously in that state you know it's you you you, you you're, you're actually you've lost your own ground it's better to say really at least you own know to yourself i'm i'm angry i'm upset i'm really dislike this person, my mind feels at least you're coming back to something you can practise with. There's no way you can practise with sitting everybody real straight. <laughs> it's a, you know, how to do that so we you know, come back you know, so I'm angry. There's no big deal. everybody's angry, you know signal <laughs> later. It's, and and then but it's very unpleasant feeling to own it it's very unpleasant kind of sour bitter restless heat so naturally we want to dump it on somebody else (laughs) you know actually kind of owning it Um, and then you know you can the The difficulty is to, to is that, is that you know, oh, I am angry, oh dear, I'm an angry, nasty, hostile person. No, that's not true. you just have you're just experiencing <laughs> anger that's all it's like i but you didn't invent it <laughs> as as <laughs> you know, fear or craving you know sh- look, mine's pretty much the same really if you, if you brought their anger out looked exactly the same. You can get angry about different things, maybe, and use different words, but it's pretty much the same energi- energy, isn't it? Or am I the only one who gets angry? <laughs> 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 yeah. yeah. So th- then, then that's so that the the point in this in this is, is referred to in the um, the third what's called the satipatthana or the foundations of mindfulness. You bring your mindfulness to to bear upon what's really happening for you. You know, (coughs) stop pointing at everybody else or where it could be or should be or whatever, what's happening for you. This is mindfulness. What's happening for this one brings it back here. You You can only be mindful of this one bringing it back here. You feel the... And then the the uh, refrain is: This is the mind affected by anger. This is the mind affected by worry. This is the mind affected by jealousy. So it's ah, it's it's affected. It's not actually in itself. It's not innately jealous or worried or angry or luminous or anything. Chitta is like uh, empty space but it uh, keeps it keeps not knowing that so it adopts whatever comes in you know like you're sitting in a room and uh, you hear some music you start humming the sound you hear a bagpipe playing you start sounding and you start making bagpipe noises you hear a (laughs) piano playing you start plink plunk plink plunk you hear drum beat you go drum 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 so, sort the of stuff's around, and you pick it up and you adopt it uh, and so the mind adopts these energies that like, uh, occur because it so wants to adopt ever something it feels like an orphan without it well because we don't know i mean no is the wrong word. we haven't fully felt, understood and uh, made the mind great you know so when it's great you can you can really sense the sense of the openness and the spaciousness of that and and the, the and really that's through <coughs> you know being big enough if you like to acknowledge okay you know i was angry i was i was jealous okay it happened like it happens for everybody and it came and i felt it and then I owned it. when I owned it, I was able to let it go if it' still happened if it's still something we're putting out there on other people, you haven't owned it yet. you can't let it go because you haven't actually got it in your hand. you know so you have to own it before you can let it go. The owning bit owning it isn't particularly pleasant, <laughs> but there is a certain when you really understand like um Know, when you're really strong and clear about the value of ethical, it really feels good. There's something good, you know, there's a pleasant tone that comes from actually honestly owning up. You know. I did you know, I did feel you know, even if it wasn't fair or right or proper, I felt hostility. There's some sense of you know honesty arises. Clarity arises. Hiryotapa, conscience and concern arises. So if we do own the mind state, acknowledge it's happened here, along with that, which comes these rather blessed qualities of self-respect, I'm big enough to acknowledge my faults. Yeah, and then with that, there's a sense of suddenly you become a little bit, you know, bigger again, yeah, in a good way. Because you accept your limitations, your faults, you acknowledge them. And That makes that makes that's for that's part of great heart, isn't it? Yeah. You know, saying I never get it wrong at all, I'm perfect. Yeah, I am great heart. <laughs> 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 Some identity is <laughs> <It's> just <laughs> conceit and. Uh, Arrogance and ignorance, but but the ability to to acknowledge, okay, and then once we can do that, then the (coughs) qualities of self respect and dignity arise, and we say, I can let this go, you know. Now it's, I can see where I got tight and contracted. Great! And the Buddha always said, We see it as a great gain is great gain when you're able to acknowledge a transgression. This is called progress. And that's those are the words he said. We call this progress in this dhamma this discipline when you're able to see a mistake you make. And I don't think Buddha wasn't being nice, you know Buddha wasn't someone who just kind of threw out compliments to, to charm people. <laughs> But he actually meant it that it is a gain, it is a great gain, because something in you recognizes that happened and came and it went, and then you've got some way of of understanding looking where did that come from? How did I do that what caught when did it when did I get caught do you know and you can look into that, and then you've got a chance of ah. That was the mistake, it really went wrong, It's a mistake. I took that, or I picked up that, or I interpreted that, or I attached to that, and then if you see it, you can drop it. So, but then, you know, the fundamental reflection is, is the mind, the chitta, is not any of these qualities. Um, these are things that, that come to it, these are the tunes that we pick up, that it picks up, but it isn't any of these, until it's sometimes... Um, said the liberated mind is like, referred to like a broken gong. It doesn't sound very <laughs> nice, does it? But in other words, it doesn't pick up any tunes. You know, it does, doesn't kind of, you know, red doesn't do that. So it's sort of still and serene. It doesn't pick up things. Hmm. <coughs> so this isn't really um, anything to do with Ego it's just um nature of nature of the unawakened mind is to a- adopt these phenomena that uh, come from habits you know see that my love of of and commitment to truth is not that strong, particularly when I'm out of a supportive context, I understand this has to ripen its own time. I would appreciate it if you could share your reflections on what fuels your faith and commitment to understanding. So, for example, you're motivated to bear with the mind states that arise from the threat of tigers. Mm. Well, yeah, this is... Hmm fuels my faith and commitment to understanding is, is a very nice thing to say about me <laughs> I think I'm just tired of, tired of the lies <laughs> tired of lying <laughs> it's more, more the point just you know you get worn out of falsehood and pretense and <laughs> bluffing and <laughs> and running away from things <laughs> it's you know <laughs> I'm just fed up with that because it just—it's just, it's just you're never, you're never gonna, you never—you're never gonna—you can't—you know—you you never get to the end of it that way. Yeah, you never get to the end of it by running mm. and uh, diverting and manipulating and trying to not see and stuff like that. You know, it just keeps coming back and back. Um, I think what we all, all need encouragement with is when when delusions and confusions do um, take over, obsess the mind, and they're always possible to you know come in on us. We, we get you know the fundamental delusion is is taking anything as solid, substantial lasting and self. <laughs> so when we have an op- feeling or an opinion about another person, be careful. When you have an opinion about yourself, be careful. When you have a yeah you know, that it doesn't because if you if, it, if you think that's absolutely true, solid, substantial, permanent, then delusion is affecting your mind. It you could you know if it's, if it if it's good think this person is wonderful, perfect so forth, delusion is affecting your mind <laughs> and most often it's not, there's some kind of rather negative perceptions so when we, you know, it's, it's, it's uh, any kind of <coughs> solid or substantial selfhood mm-hmm. there are patterns there are Patterns of behaviour, there's programs, there's karma, there's things of this nature, and just how, when we we get stuck in delusions, just how shut down we start to get, more and more shut down, less and less spacious, less and less free, less and less joyful. So these these delusions become like hard lumps in us. Carrying around these perceptions of ourselves and others is like it becomes uh, worry places, or or aversion places, or mistrust places, or grief, depression places. And it's just like you know, it's hard, it's heavy, it's burdensome, and you know, the point to recognise is it's 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 we don't have to do that. We don't have to be that. So for I think for many people experience all kinds of um, you know states that they don't, negative states, afflictive states, unpleasant states, and feel, you know, that's it, that's the way I am. Mm. What all must be borne in mind is that, that this is not, this is just a, Program, uh, a pattern, a condition, and to always recognize that the the possibility to for to come out of this, there's a possibility of an ending of this. So, w- when we experience the, this kind of dukkha about the limitations, the compulsiveness, the you know, seeing these compulsive afflictive states of mind or attachments. Then, along with that part of part of their of their um, um, stickiness, they carry along with this message of, "This is who you are, or this is what you always will have." You know, you are like this. <laughs> you always will be like this. You know, and so just forget it. You know, <laughs> <laughs> so we, you know keep keep looking the other way or give up. And that very, you know, that quality of giving up is very, you can feel something in your slump. So that that sense of resignation around life or getting by, you know. And so, you know, this this can be the kind of, the understanding that, that people have on an emotional level. So we don't feel there's an alternative, then something that doesn't really acknowledge this, doesn't really witness it. Because if it, if it's there and you're stuck with it, the best thing is just to look the other way or to give up or to say, well, it doesn't matter, you know. So that kind of shrugging and, and you know, goes on, and, you know, I'm always confused. I feel what it feels like, you know, that, that that gesture. So we Four Noble Truths is a recognition that the dukkha is to be understood, can be understood. The origin of it yeah. You know, can be uh, abandoned and the uh, freedom from it is to be realized, can be realized, is to be realized, you know, so it's like that and the path is to be cultivated, can be cultivated, there's something we can do, we're not just powerless, we can be you know, say masters of our destiny rather grandiose but we can at least be, you know, masters of our own house. You know, you can make we can make choice. We can say, okay, I, I take this on, I take my life on, I take my mind on, and I'm gonna work with it. Because there is an alternative. And and that's the faith. That's the faith element. There is an alternative to this. There is a cessation of this. Because it's like Whatever it is, you know, you can bet somebody else has been there too. (laughs) Whatever it is, you know, if it's violent temper, anxiety, depression, you didn't, you're not the uh, inventor of this one. (laughs) You know, this is everybody, other people get this too, Um, other people have been through this too, and... Some who cultivate get past this, you know, not because just because they practiced with it, not because they had you know anything else, other than they just directly practice with it. So, that faith is the faith in that there is a way past this. It doesn't necessarily mean today, but there is a way, a po- possibility for cultivation with this, and it will be a learning. And, um, you know, the Buddha did say that if you, this dukkha, um, even though it, he said, if you know, it, to understand this, to just really take in the meaning of this, is, is such so powerful, just to, to actually hold that meaning is so powerful. He said, it's like, if somebody's going to st- say, I, I do a deal with you, you know. And in this deal will be that somebody can stab you with spears a hundred times in the morning, hundred times in the afternoon, a hundred times in the evening. Do this every day for a hundred years. You know? And that'll be one and because of that you'll get the meaning of these four noble truths. If somebody offers you that deal, shake it by the hand. <laughs> Because it's worth it <laughs> and he said not only that but I tell you this penetra- this practice of this is accompanied by happiness and joy you know those are very really powerful images you know but it's like you know the mind this morning when we're doing one minute right just standing on the toes for one minute. How long is that minute? <laughs> Unbearable, you know. So and we, we sort of take a year, a bad year, as like infinite. It's not long. You know, a lifetime's not long, really. You know, when you're looking at these practices. You know, so the sense of... Just to have the f- the sense of really... Applying with a sense of, of uh, just to apply yourself is good. Just to not give up on yourself is good. That's the first result. That Instead of running, hiding, deviating, giving up, resigning, you, know, you say, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to actually acknowledge, witness, own, accept. That's the first benefit because immediately you do that. There's a sense of recovering, recovering your dignity. Recovering your presence, recovering, you know, getting getting actual direct access to the mind. That's the first benefit of that, and that that really is worthwhile, because at least then you don't act out those things, you don't do stuff to yourself to to dull it out. You know. Second benefit is when we begin to. Directly take just one piece and acknowledge. It's not here all the time. It comes and goes. It comes in waves and rhythms. It comes and goes. You have been happy. You have been generous. You have done a good deed. You have, yeah. Laughed. You have smiled. You know. You have been kind. It's not. This is. However when you're in a mind state it seems to be the total story it isn't so you start to actually get the sense of impermanence like that and that is the beginning of the end of the lie of the the great lie Mm -hmm. it's why the Four Noble Truths are called truths because it's actually telling the truth and stop lying (laughs) You know that, that <laughs> um, yeah. and the the thing that uh so we we to begin to uh approach this this experience with some truthfulness it is changeable it is impermanent, and then it's not self that is other people have this it comes and goes, I'm not always this, so it's not myself it's it's like having learning to live with a with, you know, having head colds every year or, you know, something that, that, you know, you get waves of it come over you or periods of it. So, you know, these, how do you manage this? How do you, how do you manage this? And that takes skill. And that's, that's a great, another great benefit because you're not saying I should be boundlessly perfect and wonderful and bright every day, you know, and happy and joyful. The more skillful is I can manage (laughs) <laughs> the dukkha sounds kind of very, you know, a bit grim and pessimistic. <laughs> but it's actually true. I mean, we're not happy. Yeah. Life isn't happy. Period. It's has happiness in it, but it's not happy. There's shafts of light and brightness, but it's not a happy scene, is it? <laughs> you know. And But there's a kind of uh, clarity and steadiness that comes from, stop fighting with that or complaining about it, but and being able to manage and bear with the Dukkha. So this is the difference between Dukkha is called a characteristic of existence, Uh, meaning that, and say even Buddha say, I know and see and experience this is Dukkha. So even enlightened beings know, see, and experience the characteristic of Dukkha, which means, for example, that that body has pain, obviously, which means that um, the world around us is in upheaval and chaos, um, which means we see some of the seemingly um, endless anguish of beings that the Buddha said we like fish in a pond, and the pond is drying up. You know, like the helplessness. So you see and, and understand and feel this. This is the characteristic. But the difference between the Dukkha as a characteristic and Dukkha as a noble truth is that this can be seen and witnessed and known, and also there is there is no internalizing of that that is we're not kind of oppressed with it we're not crushed by it we're not you know bowed down by it so that the mind you know can be freed from this taking it in Mm. that is possible as it's sometimes said you know that the most people experience two darts two arrows of feeling. One is the physical arrow. You know, you get a sharp pain and there's the mental arrow which is the sadness or grief or whatever. The enlightened beings only get one arrow <laughs> which is the, you know, the, that. They don't get the internal turmoil of that. So instead they see the world through the eye of compassion and, uh, and so on. That is possible. So, once you really see realistically what is possible, you know, so then it becomes reachable you know. to imagine you know that you c- before you can be okay, your body's gonna be fine, your life's gonna be trouble free, everybody around you is gonna be nice and honest and sweet and kind, you know. You give me a long, long time. <laughs> well, that, that's ever if it ever comes around, it's too high. You say i can I can meet the what's called the sabhava dukkha, the uh, unsatisfactory of, this of existence, and uh, with with a mind that's not shaking with it, that is possible. So when we really see the possibility. And uh, the Buddha said, this is all you need, actually. Hmm. Then we're able to come to our, the, the stress and the suffering of our lives with a mind of faith, with a mind, OK, what's in this for me? You know, there's something to be learned in this. There's something to be unraveled in this. There's something. Where letting go can occur, there's something where forgiveness can occur, there's something where tolerance can occur, there's something where dispassion or patience can occur, there's something where investigation occur. How wonderful. You know, that this rather grubby, bristly, nasty little thing can be the the triggering, the catalyst for these rather fine qualities patience and compassion and investigation and mindfulness and So um, yeah, this this yes yes, yeah. I can't always do it, but I can I can see that, and I can you know I can try, (coughs) I can aspire. Uh, You know, because really at the end of the day, you know you've got a choice. What do you want to do? You're in the sea. You're going to drown or swim. which you you acknowledge you're in the sea. Then you're either gonna go just go down or you're gonna swim. So that's uh, a kind of way I'd reflect on that. Commitment, faith is something that isn't just a necessity. <laughs> so let's pause there.